Welcome everybody to the fifth episode of the Marvel Bronze Age. I go by Bronze Age. And note, it's the fifth, not the fourth. I go by, I said fifth. I know, and that's why I was reiterating what you said, the fifth, not the fourth. What a weenie. I, I go by oh. the handle Miskatonic. And my contract did not include my, your rating or name-calling. My partner, as usual, is... Levi, the hated one, evidently. Or no, I'm sorry, the weenie. I, Tonight I, I'll be Levi the weenie. I am not a hater. I'll, I'll just I'll throw that out there now. So then are you saying that you like weenies? Well, sure. All right. Good to know. Italian weenies, Polish weenies. Well, see, you're not even a racist. That's good for you. No. Here on the uh, Marvel Bronze Age podcast, we talk about those comic books that came out during the comic book Bronze Age. For our purposes, we started in January of 1970. This being the fifth episode, we're still talking about books that came out in January. We haven't... Moved on to another month yet. We've got three books lined up, so uh, hopefully you'll find them as entertaining as we talk about them as we did to read them. Mm, hopefully, actually, you find it more entertaining than <laughs> we did reading them. <laughs> <laughs> so, Levi, and, go ahead, my bad. Oh, I was just going to say, just for any uh, you know any questions, um, from 1970, or actually the date of 1970, started a new decade. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, we we won't go into any discussions about years involved in decades in this show. But okay, my bad. Needless to say, folks, there's a nice ugly story behind this, and that's why Levi's <laughs> throwing it out at me. He's giving me a softball, and I'm just gonna hold off and let that one sail by as a ball. Thank you. That's all right. Like I said, I'm gonna be the weenie of tonight, so there's my first weenie comment. <laughs> okay. All right. Anything, uh, anything you want to say, just generally about uh, life as it is. Life. What does it all mean? That's, Was that general enough? Sorry. That's that's pretty deep, man. Yeah, that's there you uh, go. okay. Um, well, life, life's been okay. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, as we're recording this, it's uh, pretty darn cold out there. It's probably back down into the single digits. Um, here, at least, um, I'm, I'm not sure what happened at the at the other places, but at the studio today, it uh, it wasn't above single digits until about one o'clock uh, p.m. So it was it was pretty cold, and uh, I'm not digging the cold. No, no, you know I, I'm always the first to uh, differentiate fat boy from non-fat boy weather, <laughs> right? But let me let me just throw this out that this has surpassed what I consider fat boy weather. This exactly. Is just, this you is know, this bloody cold. This goes into you need to be a lot fatter of a boy. Yeah, really. You know, you got to – and you got to have like blubber. Yeah, I was going to say this is blubber boy weather. Is what yeah, exactly. Is. That you got to have, you know, that antifreeze stuff in your blood so when you walk out, you don't just go, you know, completely solid from the cold. Man, yeah. It is, oh. it is brutal cold out there. And then you get that – Disgusting weather phenomena called wind. Oh, <laughs> whoever invented that should be shot. Oh man, yeah. So I mean, it, and it, it'll it'll drop depending on how you know fast it is. It'll drop the temperature a good 
three to five degrees. So, I mean, you know, you got nine degrees without wind and a two to three mile an hour wind blowing in your face, and you're like, I want to go in. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, the, the particles of snow that it picks up become, you know, needle points of sheer cold that pierce your face. It's, it's yep. yep. So that's why, yet again, we have agreed to brave the elements and record tonight. Again, as you said, we are here at the studio for your listening enjoyment while parts of my body fall off because of frostbite. Indeed, indeed. I I lost a giblet or two out there myself earlier today. It happens. But it's because of you, folks, that we lose our giblets. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All righty. Tonight we'll um, start our discussions with... Kid Cult Outlaw Volume 1, Issue 142, and I believe the Master of Ceremonies for the recap this evening is going to be Levi. Indeed, I thought that, you know, uh, Episode 5 being, you know, that that groundbreaking uh, episode, I'd I'd actually go through and and try my hand at letting you all know what happened in the illustrious life of Kid Cult for this um, this issue. So, um, let's let's go ahead and uh, start that. Um, we actually open with uh, with a cover image of uh, Mr. Kid Colt. Um, apparently, in a in a town, a western town, old western town, um, having his uh, his gun uh, being dropped while two guns are at his back. Um, apparently, he uh, got himself into uh, a bit of a situation that he was uh, not expecting. So that uh, you know that's a little bit off. But the actual issue uh, opens up with. Um, a stagecoach that's being uh, driven by Kid Colt and uh, going um, rather recklessly, uh, more than likely through the desert, as we can see a bit of a mesa sketched in the background. And uh, Kid Colt is um, remembering exactly how he got himself in the situation. Um, now, he, he is a bit of an outlaw, or thought of to be an outlaw, but apparently what he's about to do isn't the type of outlaw activity that he wants to do. So we we go back and we see that um, it all started back in the uh, depot at Quicksilver Creek. And uh, he's just, you know, innocently standing around waiting on the train and uh, sees um, coming up to the, uh, the train stop where he's waiting a bunch of... Um, Ruffians, and I, I dare say to use the old original term, um, rednecks. Um, now, now, hold on. Uh, Kid Colt calls them, I believe, bushwhackers. That's right. That's right. He he did call them bushwhackers. So maybe that's Western for redneck. It it might be. I I don't personally know how to whack a bush, but hey, it it may very well be that that's what they were. But um, here he is, uh, like I said, they, they are coming up, and uh, basically, you know, they want him to leave, and he's, you know, in good Western style saying, you know what, I was here first, I ain't got any problem with you, and I'm going to stay. And, you know, the confrontation of good old Western men and Sues and Kid Colt seems to um, knock them right on their tuchuses, or tuchuses, mm. Um, and then, you know, in an instant draws out his guns and, you know, gets them, gets them to leave and, and lament their messing with him. Um, 
and of course the the sheriff of the town walks up and wants to know what's going on and Kid Colt uh, explains everything to him, and the sheriff pretty much is like, well, nothing happened. Uh, okay, everybody can go. So, you know, Kid Colt's wondering, you know, what's going on? First of all, why is, you know, why are all these bushwhackers here, and why isn't the sheriff doing anything? So he goes um, to, to probably the, you know, where you, you get most of your information to the telegraph house. Um, gets a little bit of information there, finds out that uh, one of the bad guys is calling in a lot of known names of, uh, shall we say, ill repute, and um, decides that he's going to um, confront them since they are coming in on a train into the into the town. So uh, him and Steele, his trusty steed, which um, while I was reading this issue I noticed is predominantly colored a gunmetal gray, uh, which I, I found interesting. The, the detail that they put into that was interesting. But anyway, um, rides, uh, rides steel, catches the train, um, walks in on um, just about the, the most quintessential thing that anyone in the Old West and especially bad guys did, a poker game. Ah, um, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, yes. Um, now, uh, seemingly with, without any sort of trouble, he and the uh, conductors are able to uh, round them up and tie them up with uh, one, um, one bit of rope. And one of the bad guys, without much prompting at all, tells uh, Kid Colt the plan. Now, um, the, the train with the bad guys was uh, scheduled to stop at Quicksilver Creek, the town, uh, but Kid Colt tells them, keep going through. We're not even going to you know, stop and, and give them the opportunity. But being the um, Western hero that he is, as the train goes through the town, Kid Colt manages to jump off. I'm assuming, of course, that he does a very heroic role, comes up and dispatches the waiting bad guys that were um, looking to meet uh, the ne'er-do-wells on the train. So we actually then go back to what exactly – we flash – what, forward, I guess? Or back, whatever. Uh, to the, the stagecoach, and again, it's, it's driving out of control with – what is that, six – including Kid Colt, um, people hanging on for dear life, uh, we find out, actually, that um, they're planning uh, on doing uh, some very, shall we say, unlawful deeds um, in the town. And Kid Colt decides, I may be an outlaw, but this is not what I'm going to go down um, for. And uh, he, he takes out his knife and cuts the reins of the, um, of the horses to the stagecoach, freeing the horses. And, of course, he did this in a curve or bend in the road, which then causes the stagecoach to um, continue off of the hillside um, through the curve and um, not actually heading uh, towards town um, before – it goes off the cliff. He's able to dispatch a, a few of the bad guys and then jump on one of the few tall trees that are actually in 
the southwest of the United States, uh, saving himself but allowing the stagecoach to continue on over the hill and stopping the problem to the town that would have ensued. Ah, my hero. Isn't he? He's just so dreamy. Indeed. All right. Let me just uh, add something here real quick. Uh, the uh, Did I miss something? I'm sorry. No, no. The <laughs> the artist-writer team for this issue, there's um, – I forget exactly. There's like five stories, I think. Um, all of the stories were apparently written by Stan Lee, and all of the stories were drawn and probably inked by Mr. Jack Keller. So Stan Lee and Jack Keller are the creative team as far as I could find on this particular issue of Kid Colt Outlaw. Dun, dun, dun. Actually, it's probably not dun, dun, dun. It's probably more something Western. I can't think of any Western equivalent of dun, 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 but I will. Oh, see, there you go. The classic. The classic. The classic, exactly. My bad. I dropped the ball. I'm sorry. That's all right. I'm older. I'm, I'm expected to know those things. So. You are old, yes. Well said. Thank you. So um, for the uh, the next installment um, for Kid Colt, we're going to go over to Miskatonic and uh, let him um, give you his dulcet tones in rehashed oh. story. All right. <laughs> so this is the second mini installment here in the Kid Colt issue, and this – book was 35 or 36 pages, so it's a little bit longer than our normal uh, normal comic books are nowadays. Um, surprisingly short, though, to have that many stories in it. So Indeed. You know, I was like, how, how do you pack that much into only those many pages? Yeah, really. All right, so in the next story here, we see uh, Kid Colt um, walking out of the local livery. Livery? Livery? Uh, you know, potato, vodka, whatever. Livery, and and that's like the stables, I think. Isn't that another word for the stables? Yes. So, okay. So he's, I'll, I'll use the word stable because I can pronounce it. <laughs> and we know what that means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this show is not for education, folks. This is no, it's not for pure entertainment, and we will make sure that we do not educate you. Absolutely. We will entertain you. So he walks out of the stables here. Uh, into uh, just about a gunfight between a couple uh, hard cases, it looks like. One is chomping on a cigarette, and the other has just a standard bad guy grimace kind of thing going there. Oh, yeah, that that scowl is definitely bad guy Western-esque. So he uh, he jumps in front of them and, uh, you know, basically separates them and, and knocks the guns out of the way so he doesn't get shot. He then takes his firearms, one in each hand, and disarms the gents by apparently shooting the guns out of their hands. Um, you see Kid Colt's guns fire, but you don't necessarily see what happens to the irons wielded by the other men. But actually, I was I'm under sorry. The, I was he, under the impression that he shot their hats. He off. shot their hats off. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I guess as a, a way of telling them how serious he was. Well, you know, it's one of those, I could kill you if I want, boy, okay. but I'm not going to. I got you. Plus, you know, the whole tip your hats to a gentleman when he walks through a door Ah, yes. monologue there kind of is a, a big tip off as well. Yes, all righty. So Kid Colt walks on, down the, walks on down the street and comes upon another potential 
gunfight here in the street. This one between a another hard case and the sheriff of Bighorn, which is the town that Kid Colt finds himself in in this uh, this story. He seems to get around a lot. He does. So the um, the hard case just goes on his way, I guess, having bowed the sheriff. I, I'm not really sure what happens here. The bad guy has the gun drawn, but the sheriff doesn't. And then the next thing you see is the bad guy talking to the two that Kid Colt just broke up and the sheriff kind of walking away. So I guess – it was a, a battle of wills, and the sheriff lost. Is is what they're going? Yeah, for. that's that's what it looks like. The sheriff was uh, just too yellow. Yeah. So, uh, Kid Colt follows the sheriff into his office and basically makes a makes an issue of asking, you know, yo dog, what up? And so the sheriff goes on to tell him a little bit about what's going on. Um, there's a there's a big bad that we haven't seen that's kind of in charge of things and. Apparently the sheriff's a little concerned about how the big bad would act if the sheriff did too much sheriffing. Yeah, it, it happens. It's a common thing. So we see Kid Colt um, makes a quick stop at a new and used firearms store uh, owned by one Jake Hawkins. Good name. Mm-hmm. Solid name. Good man. Salt of the earth. And uh, Colt heads over to the nearby saloon where the all the previous hard cases that we've seen and uh, apparently quite a few more are kind of hanging out there. And to get their attention, he shoots a couple hats off, uh, shoots a belt off, something uh, out of another guy's hand, shoots a bottle in another guy's hand. Now, see, that's just a, a waste of good whiskey. Well, it might not have been whiskey. You would assume it was, but yeah. you know, maybe he didn't waste it. Maybe right, it's you an know, empty bottle. It's, it could have been sarsaparilla. We we can hope that it you know wasn't too wasteful. <laughs> right. Basically, Colt, after doing all that, he knows he's got their attention, and he tells them, "You got twenty minutes to get out of town." So he goes back <laughs> over to the sheriff's office, <laughs> and then. Um, one of the bad guys decides that he's not going to leave. Uh, he's going to confront the sheriff. Turns out it was the bad guy that was confronting the sheriff earlier in the story. Uh, we'll call him Red. That that sounds like a good name for him there. Yeah. Because, you know, for those of you who may not be able to view the comic afterwards, he's dressed all in red. He's got a nice red hat and vest and shirt and pants. So, yeah, we'll call him Red. Does does he also, Levi, have a red ascot on? As a matter of fact, as I scroll down a bit, I see that his ascot is a bit red. Oh, don't tell me he's wearing a red ascot. That's, I'm not sure if it's chafing him or not, but I do know that it's red. That's terrible. It is. Okay, so red, uh, as he has now been dubbed, um, confronts the sheriff, and uh, Kid Colt comes out and saves the day. He uh, first scares the bad guy to kind of put him off a little bit and then uh, gives the sheriff an opportunity to recover, and the sheriff shoots the guns out of the out of Red's hands, uh, thereby giving him the ultimate defeat but sparing his life. Now, that's a man of honor. And so uh, we see the sheriff thanking Kid and Kid saying, no, no, it wasn't you – or excuse me, it wasn't me. It wasn't them irons you got. That was all you, Sheriff. So if you just believe and clap – oh, wait, sorry. What you 
conceive and believe you can achieve. achieve. Yes, absolutely. So he does a little bit of uh, self, uh, or, or not self, but uh, pumping the the sheriff's spirits there, and uh, and so ends the second story in this issue of Kid Colt. Not only can Kid Colt shoot and ride, but he can motivate. Indeed. All right, we go on to the next story here. Um, it's going to be uh, titled Rustler. Yeah, that's that's the character's name. So this is a different character from Kid Colt, but it's in Kid Colt's book. So right, it's it's from the same time period. Yeah, you know, same universe, I guess. Yeah, want the old West. Call it that. So yeah. looks like Rustler is more a a rancher, probably. Uh, not well, if, if if you don't mind, may may I take this one for? Yeah, for yeah. The, yeah, go ahead. That's cool. All right. Well, um, actually, the basically as we start out, like I said, the the title of this little mini sode is, is Rustler, and the reason for that is we open with um, uh, a family that has basically their homestead out uh, in the uh, in the west somewhere, and uh, one of the boys rides up and says, you know, basically, Pa. You know, I just saw somebody uh, stealing our horses, and, you know, the tie-in, of course, is that Paul says, rustlers. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so so um, basically the the boy asks, you know, well, what are you going to do, Paul? And, you know, well, uh, I'm not really sure. And, you know, Ma's like, he's not going to do anything. His, your father's just he, – he's, he's not a man to confront. Well – being that you know whoever it is that done rustled them cows um, is basically stealing um, money and, and food right from the family's mouth. Well, you know, Paul, he's basically got to do something. So you know, um, we we see him uh, getting on his horse and pretty much you know saying uh, goodbye to the to the family as he sets out to to take care of his his manly duties. Um, and we uh, we then see him, you know, on the trail, picking up the trail, and um, you know, looking at um, the the tracks and and determining, well, it's you know, it's one rider, and they're they're not going very slow, so I I should be able to to catch up with them soon. And then um, a little while later, he finds that um, what he uh, believes to be another rider passing him off uh, in the distance is actually the guy that he was following. Not really sure how it was that the guy that he was following circled around. It really didn't say, but apparently that's what happened. Um, the the main uh, you know good guy, Paul, there gets um, basically jumped by the bad guy. Looks like he's got a, an old rifle on him, you know, and, and pretty much he's like, you know, that's that's far enough, you know. Uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna go any farther following me. I don't I don't like being followed and. And basically, Paul's like, you know, listen, I, um, I'm, I'm a peaceful man. I, I just, I wanted to come to you and, and tell you, hey, I, <laughs> I want my cattle back. And, and the bad guy's like, oh, that's such a horrible story. No, I'm not, I'm not going to. Now, you know, turn around and, and just go back home. <laughs> well, about, about that time, somebody from behind the bad guy, um, yells, you know, hey, you. Raise your hand, and and the bad guy raises his hands and turns around, and and um, finds out that you know it's it's a kid, and we find out that it's uh, it's the son from back on the homestead that told Paul about the uh, the wrestler in the first place. 
Levi, I have a question. Yeah. Wasn't the little kid that always could figure out what Lassie was saying, wasn't his name Timmy? <laughs> yes, it was. Was it? Because I always remember. Yep. What, Lassie? Ha- has Timmy fallen down a well? Yep. It, Timmy was always the one that was getting messed up. Timmy. And, and I say that because the uh, because, young man's yes. name here is Tim. Tim. Uh, I, I right. guess he would, uh, a couple years later, he would come into a... Uh, a collie and uh, get into into moving pictures and stuff. So and a lot of trouble. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Tim takes a swing at the at the bad guy and, and misses. And of course, you know the bad guy being the big bad outlaw type when dealing with kids. You know, he laughs at him and he's like, you know, you're you're pretty much no better than your paw. You can't do nothing, and your paw can't do nothing. So, uh, you know, he, he basically grabs a kid and, and shoves him, you know, away. Because, you know, the kid's really not that big of a threat to, you know, this big, bad outlaw with a gun. Well, that right there does it for Paul. You know, you can you can steal my, my, my cattle. You can pull a gun on me. But what you don't ever do is put hands on my boy. And what's Paul do? He uh, basically rushes the bad guy grabs the gun, tosses the gun away, and then commences to put a a whooping on the bad guy. Um, so bad, uh, it, it, it turns out that Paul snapped a little bit, and uh, little Timmy there had to actually tell Dad, hey, um, that that's enough. He, he's, uh, he's pretty much done. Hmm. You know, so Paul's like, well, you know, you're right, son. I, I lost my head there for a minute. This happens to man of peace when he's really riled up, you know. So, amen. There, there you go. You know, don't. Uh, first of all, don't, uh, don't, don't tick off a man of peace because you know he might not stop if little Timmy's not there. Um, but we, um, we actually end uh, this issue with um, the boy uh, Timmy and, and Paul coming back with uh, all of the cattle and the the rustler tied up. And uh, in custody, and um, the doubting wife who previously had said that, you know, he, Paul's not going to do anything, now understands that everything is going to be okay there on the prairie because Paul's a good man. <laughs> um, this mini-sode, as, as you so aptly put it, uh, puts me in, in mind of a, a phrase that I've heard uh, – Goes something like you, you don't tug on Superman's cape, you don't pull the mask off the old old Lone Ranger, and you don't mess around with Tim. Yeah. So um, yeah. I, I guess catalyst throughout the years for for a lot of people. This is the uh, this is the visual proof uh, of that uh, that little line there. There you go. So that was Minisode um, number three, I believe. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Just moving right along, we are. So here we've got the next mini-sode. I, I like that word. That's a good word. You like that? Yeah. Yeah, you can uh, you can use it, but just, you know, reference me. Reference you? Okay. Actually, I like it so much, I think we'll make it the word of the show. Ooh, the word of the show has been dealt by Levi. Now there's something. Yeah, man. Mini-sode. I like that. 
All right, so next here is a uh, short, or not a short, it's a kid outlaw story. Excuse me, it's a kid cult story. Hey, we're we're here all night. Just you know, uh, just keep keep doing your takes till you get it right. Man. Whatever comes to mind. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Take twenty-seven. There you go. Uh, and action. <laughs> Next up, we have a kid Colt story, and we see Colt uh, sitting here in a in the bar. Um, probably uh, looks like he's finishing up some dinner. Guy kind of stumbles in through the door. Looks to be holding a gun to Colt, but then he collapses. Colt Kid. just instills fear in people, and that's what happened. <laughs> Caused him to collapse. <laughs> I just stared him down, and he fell over. So we find out that uh, whatever it is that had happened to the man was enough to cause him to expire there right after he fell. They were going to get a doctor, but uh, Kid tells him, ah, never mind. Uh, he, he's already gone. And then he uh, grabs up the man's gun, takes the gun to the local Gun shop or gun repair shop, gunsmith shop, I guess. There you go. You know, read, read the caption. It helps. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the gunsmith there looks it over, gives him some information as to whose it is, who it belonged to. Turns out that it's uh, it's an army. I guess you could say it's an army issue. Yeah, it's an army issue. Um, so it, it's got its own. Serial number, I guess, for lack of a better qualifier for it. <laughs> There's no really better name that it'd be a serial number. <laughs> so, well, you're on a roll tonight, man. Aren't I? Yeah. I'll be uh, here all night. Yeah. <laughs> we can only hope. Yeah. 44 caliber. Uh, the caliber of the gun, right? Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Um, Issued out of Hartford. So, uh, <laughs> in Connecticut. Uh, it might not be Connecticut. At that time, there wouldn't have been another prominent Hartford. Oh, okay. So as they're, as the gunsmith and, and Kid Colt are looking over the piece, a gentleman comes in apparently, apparently in the market for a gun and says, wow, you know, I'm, I'm looking for something and that gun you're holding right there looks like it'll, it, it would be just the one. I love comic coincidence. And he's trying to buy the gun off of Colt and he says, nah, he said it's, uh, it's not really for sale. And the guy's like, uh, and now we see him. He's he looks to be a hard case too, because he's got a little Mexican cigar over there in the corner of his mouth, and he's got rolled <laughs> a, a nice full teeth grimace going as he's talking. Um, but he says, you know, basically, I'm not going to take no for an answer. And Kid Colt basically says, well. I sure hope you're used to disappointment. <laughs> I'm not going to take no. Well, okay, how about now? So <laughs> the the guy draws on Kid Colt and – Always a mistake. Colt disarms him by shooting the weapons out of his hand. Seems to be. Um, now, we're at – what are we now, at, at issue four or issue three? Uh, the stories, you mean? Yes. This is story uh, number four. Four, okay. So, so we're – Oh, sorry. So we're at we're at uh, Minisode. Minisode four here, and and I have picked up that the shooting of guns out of the uh, antagonist's hands seems to be a signature move of the protagonist. Uh, probably in an effort to stay up with the comics code, so they would publish the book. They probably weren't allowed to actually shoot people. If I oh, had no. to guess. Yeah, that's that's just not right. You know, because we've seen hats shot off and we've seen mm-hmm. things shot out of their hands. Mm-hmm. We've seen them disarmed. Yep. We haven't seen anyone take a bullet. 
No, no, we haven't. We ain't, we ain't seen nobody drop yet. It's kind of, kind of A Team esque, only in the middle in, in the old west. Hey, don't don't diss so, the, the A Team man. This is this is B A Colt here or something like that. It's, okay. I pity the hombre. That's it, man. <clears throat> He's wearing a little less gold there, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I see the resemblance. Yeah, but you know that that uh, tanned cowhide vest is uh, is is old west bling. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and don't forget the blue ascot that Kit Colt always wears. Oh yeah, yeah. You uh, you you got to have the the blue ascot. He he is also a fan of the ascot. Yes, he is. And it makes me question the old west, but that's okay. Wow. So the uh, gunsmith here looks at it a little bit more. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Let me just throw that out before I get the emails for that, too. Oh, okay. All right. Du- duly noted. Okay, thank you. Um, as Kid Colt's getting ready to leave, uh, somebody's out there taking taking pot shots at him. He decides to go out the back door of the gunsmith and goes over to the uh, telegraph office, has him wire a telegraph, but uh, come to find out the message apparently isn't go through, going through because the the lines must be down. Seems as though they're as well maintained as the ones that Appalachian Power do. Yes. Sorry. For, for those of uh, those <laughs> folks out there that might be listening that are familiar with Global Tel Link, uh, I'll just <laughs> say that, and that's that's all I'll say. Indeed. So uh, Kid Colt goes out. Now he's going to try to find out why the telegraph lines are down. But I'd want to know, too. So he heads out and finds a uh, wagon that's been uh, uh, bushwhacked, I guess. It's been attacked, and it was all beat up and everything. And he, he heads down the little ravine here to investigate the ruins, as it were, and finds that the wagon apparently was carrying an allotment of weapons very similar to the lot that the weapon that he got off the dead man earlier and had the gunsmith looking at, that same gun might have come out of this lot. Indeed. I mean, when the when the crates say U.S. Army, ordinance, you know, it's it's one of those the hero tries to put, you know, two and two together. Indeed. So he heads on and... Uh, we lose track of Kid Colt here for a minute, but we see a, a bunch of hard cases here having a meeting. And they're talking about the plan. <laughs> it it would only make that better if it were capitalized and bold. Oh, yes. The, the plan. plan. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you think about the plan, boys? I think the plan's good. Let's execute the plan. <laughs> So they, they give you a little bit more information about what they're wanting to do, not really detailing how, but enough to let you know that, yeah, these guys that we see sitting here are are bad guys. And uh, Kid Colt walks in on them, presumably having heard a portion of their discussion, if not all of it. He draws on them, indicating that he's the good guy because he pulled his weapon first. So is that how that works? I guess so. <laughs> okay. I wasn't I wasn't ever too uh too up on the the nuances of gunfighting in the US. Ah, yes. So <laughs> So he uh decides not only is he gonna draw on him, but he's gonna go ahead and fire 
and just shoots up the the mine here. They're in a in a room in a mine, and he he just shoots up the shaft and he shoots down the light the the lantern and it catches something afire and a raging gun battle which ultimately collapses a portion of the mine. Pretty impressive for a gunfight. I was going to say, those are some impressive six-shooters. So that gives him an opportunity, him being Kid Colt, to get away from the outlaws, put some distance between them. He runs outside and gets him a mining cart. And he shoves the mining cart down the track and makes the the hard cases run away, apparently screaming like little girls, it looks like. <laughs> it's, they're throwing off their hats and throwing up their arms and... Yeah, if if there were sound effects there, I I think there would be little girl screams coming. So uh, I can almost see like Scooby or or someone scream right now. Yeah, <laughs> they see a ghost. So <laughs> so he runs them far enough down the mine shaft uh, that uh, Kid Colt grabs up a bunch of lumber and seals up the entrance to the mine somehow. You don't see hammer or nails or I'm not sure what he does, but he traps <laughs> the bad guys in the mine. I guess that's that, all that's important. That's the main point. <laughs> that's all that's important. He did good. And uh, at, uh, we, we find out now that the message that he was trying to send was for reinforcements, and apparently the message finally did get through because the reinforcements arrive on scene by way of the U.S., Cavalry. So he turns over the bad guys who are locked up in the mine to the gentleman here with the cavalry, the captain. And he says, here you go, captain. These are the bad guys. <laughs> um, I just – I want to do a real quick thing about uh, Kid Cole. The, the man is amazingly strong. Um, we actually look at him piling those timbers, and if we look at it, well, they're a little more than timbers. They're they're about the um, the size of of railroad ties. And if anyone has ever done anything with a railroad tie other than step on it, y'all know how hard it is to lift and move those things. How heavy they are. And here's Kid Colt stacking them like twigs against the mine entrance. So I mean, Kid's just he he's an amazing man. It's it's good living for you, bro. Good right living. there, clean living. Yes, sir. That's it. A few whiskeys here and there, and good horse, and I can lift railroad ties. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All righty, that was Minnesota Five. We got one more here in Kid Colt. We see him uh, riding through a gauntlet. It looks like got. Uh, Got guys on both sides of the track that he's riding on with his uh, gunmetal gray horse, Steel, and uh, not getting hit by anybody, apparently. Obviously, he's got George Washington complex. He rides, uh, finally gets gets far enough away and rides into the next little town by the name of New Hope, but uh, realizes he doesn't see anybody. So he wonder, wonders what's going on. Rounds a corner here, and he, he sees some of the residents of the town talking. And apparently they're talking about some uh, some friends 
that they've lost. And uh, Kid Colt says, well, you know, I, I'd like to help. I, I'm not trying to overhear, but I hear you're having a, a bit of trouble. Anything I can do? And uh, the young lady, not young lady, excuse me, the mother, uh, a mother, uh, not like a mother, but a mother. Um, She's a Western mother. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> she um, lets him know that her husband and son are going to be involved in a duel. Against themselves. Yeah, so uh, apparently this town's got some some kin strife going on there. Yeah. So Kid's there, and he steps out and kind of calls a a momentary halt to it. <laughs> whoa, fellas, whoa. And then the, the gentlemen are wanting to proceed with their feud that they got going here, so he uh, – Kid Colt takes matters into his own hands and once again disarms the gentleman by shooting the guns out of their shooting hands. Shooting the guns out. I told you, man, that's Kid's signature move right there. Yep. Uh, turns out that one of the two men here is a sheriff. And the sheriff thanks Kid Colt, says, you know, I appreciate that. I'd have had to hate, hated having to put that boy down, but you, you did a good thing by saving us there. Saved him from a world of hurt you did. So he goes on to the sheriff telling Kid Colt about what's going on. Uh, we see Kid Colt turn up at a, at a meeting, it looks like. Again, yeah, a gathering. You know, I mean, okay, a meeting. Yeah, it's just, yeah. yeah it's probably I, at the tavern, looks like. Yeah, because you see a, a, a hanging lantern there for yeah. the night. And um, we find out a little bit about what's been going on as far as the bad guys and the big bad there's a, a a bad guy war brewing in town so everybody's kind of picking sides but you know i mean picking sides with a bad guy is is always a a, a bad thing <laughs> <laughs> so here's two bad guys and, and everybody's trying to to pick up sides basically if if, if you don't mind go ahead uh, basically, what uh, the two bad guys are doing here is um, they're playing on the not-so-distant tensions, past uh, tensions of the North versus the South, the uh, the Civil War. And uh, what they're doing is, you know, talking to some pro-North about what the South are intending to do, trying to basically rile them up. And uh, we can only assume, <coughs> excuse me, that um, you know some some guys are are elsewhere trying to rile up the South about what you know the North's going to be doing. Okay, all right, I got you, I got you, rabble rousers. <laughs> so we uh, we see kid trying to. Figure out what to do to diffuse things to uh, keep his keep his good guy title going there. As the outlaw, <laughs> oh, yeah, the, yeah, the outlaw. So, so that was a uh, that was a all a flashback because now we go back to the gauntlet that he's running here, mm -hmm. and he uh, he pulls up in the midst of this uh, this. 
gauntlet of fire that he's taken. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. I mean, this is, you know, there are shots ricocheting off the ground and guys on the hill shooting and in the foreground. I mean, I seriously don't know how he made it 20 feet. Yeah. So he, uh, <laughs> he pulls up here and says, you know, hang on. Uh, you, you guys have been tricked into this, into this fight that you're having. He, he asked to talk to the leaders of the two groups and, uh, finally, uh, helps them negotiate a truce. Truce. Truth? A truce. Yes, I'm sorry. Which yeah. would have truth to it. Right. That's, that's. So that's I what see I where you were going with that. That's what I meant. Yes. I yes. Was trying to cut too many corners there at one time. Right. You were and, trying to combine words with, right. you know. Saving time. Good for you. Good on you. Good on you. So uh, the uh, guy, the the leaders of the the guys that are outside the town here, find out that perhaps the leaders of the folks in the town uh, are are doing them dirty. Oh, I hate being done dirty. So don't. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> so the uh, the 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 two groups that were outside the town now combine as part of this truce with Kid Colt and ride into town to confront the leader of the bad guys in the town, uh, ultimately running them off. See, it, it turns out that the guys that were upset with each other in the town weren't the actual bad guys. Okay. They were just being played by the real bad guys. Who were the guys in the town? In the town, yeah. They stayed back in town, and they're like, hee-hee, now that they're out going to shoot each other, we got the town all to ourselves. Okay, I see that. I see that. Okay. So then the, the townsfolk, which we assumed were the bad guys, were actually just the patsies in a greater scheme and they come back and they say, you know what, that was kind of wrong. We're going to show you that, you know, we don't like being had. <laughs> All right. We don't like being done dirty. So that finishes up issue 142 of Kid Colt Outlaw with its six minisodes. So, Levi, overall, what did you think of that one? Well, overall... I thought it was interesting, um, first and foremost, because so far it was uh, the first of its kind, genre-wise, in uh, in the issues that we've been looking through. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, it didn't have a lot of my pet peeve, which was um, external monologue. monologue. Okay. All right. Um Excuse me. Sorry, guys. Uh, it, it did have a bit, but when I read it and then looked at the situation, it was kind of appropriate. You know, there's there's not very many people out there that quite honestly don't talk to themselves at some point in time, okay. which is what Kid did a few times. And so it it was okay because he didn't do it a lot, and he didn't do a lot of – thinking about the situation. He didn't do a lot of the things that I just don't like in, in writing. So that was good, too. Um, the, the the art, the story and storyline were, were, again, pretty much indicative of you know the, the time that it was written, not the time that it was set in, but the time that it was written. Um, overall, quite honestly, I, I liked it. 
you know, I'm a I'm a bit of a a, a western softy. You know, I'm not one of those die-hard, hardcore Western people. Okay. You know, I uh, <clears throat> I spent a few years uh, in what would now be considered the Old West. I, I loved it out there. And I, you know, I, I can get a sense of of why these people were the way they were and the 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 stereotypes and everything. So, yeah, it it, it wasn't bad overall. Quite honestly, uh, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. Okay. All right. Um, I, I too have a kind of a soft place for for westerns um, nowadays. As far as uh, contemporary comic books, they're they're almost non-existent. Nobody nobody really does the western anymore. No. So uh, every now and then, too bad. Eh, every now and then, you know, somebody put out something. So if you if you want to get a western fix, you have to go to um, older older books. Right. You know, so um, the art was was workable. Um, there were places that it almost looked like maybe there was a fill-in artist for a panel. Um, mm. You know, some different things going on. But <clears throat> you know, again, this was six, five, five minisodes. So it was there. There were a number of them in there, and. They weren't the you know the one page like um, Homer the Friendly Ghost. Right. No. 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 Yeah. These were these were six to eight page stories each. Right. Right. So when you know when we when we do say minisode in you know in all honesty it really was a minisode. Right. Yeah. So. So um, the um, you know I've I've seen better art. Um, the it it, it was. Fine for for what they were doing. I I don't think it really took away from anything. You know, it didn't take me out of the story trying to mm-hmm. figure out what was pictured or what anybody was doing. You know, right. if if you could determine that Kid Colt was shooting somebody's guns out of his hands, uh, you had fifty percent of the panels. So yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, you you were good there. <laughs> yeah. Um, the writing, the imagination. <laughs> <laughs> the writing was pretty, you know, pretty pretty steady. Um, Kid Colt. Um, without going into his backstory, is a, a bad guy by circumstance. He's not a bad guy by nature. So isn't that always the way, though? So he 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 tries to do the the right thing, and you know, in all of these, his characterization was pretty much true to that. Um, he he didn't hurt anybody, didn't kill anybody, so you can't you know you can't hang that on him. So, right, he's you know he's not a real bad guy. <laughs> right, right. So uh, I I think overall I'd I'd give it a a thumbs up also. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. so. All right. So we got two thumbs up for the uh, the first western of uh, of the show. Yes, indeed. So um, all right, guys. Uh, looks like with this one book, it's taken a little bit longer than we expected. This is. Right at about our normal length uh, for an episode, and we've we've just talked about this this one book, the my, power of the the power of the minisode. Minisode, yes, indeed. See? So uh, my my thoughts, uh, Levi, are just to go ahead and and wrap this show at, at just one issue. It'll be a a new first for us. Just talking about it will, one yeah. issue. Yep. So um, if if you're cool for that, I guess we can wrap this up before it gets too too much longer. 
Yeah, yeah, sounds good. I mean, it makes sense. You know, we don't we don't want to go too long, and and you know, we've given the listeners enough about uh, the book that uh, pretty much has has made them informed listeners. Okay, all right. Without educating them, because like I said, we don't educate; no. we just entertain. This is not an educational podcast. No, it is not. Absolutely. All righty. So, uh, if uh, anybody out there wants to get in touch with us, there's a couple ways right now you can do so. One is our email address. That's themarvelbronzeage at gmail.com. The website for any show notes and the podcasts and whatnot is uh, www.comicbooknoise.com backslash bronzeage, one word. One word, backslash. As always, I do want to thank Mr. Derek Coward for helping and hosting uh, with our little podcasting endeavor here. And uh, in closing, Levi, is there anything else you want to add tonight, man? Um, Just really quickly, um, we're actually looking at um, the possibility of going on Twitter as well. So uh, depending on um, how things turned out with the the podcast and, and things, um, you you may very well be finding us on on Twitter uh, sometime here in the near future. Okay, all right. Uh, I don't really have anything more to say. I think we've uh, said it all this episode between uh, uh, Minnesota and uh, Man of Weenies. Uh, ah, two, there we go. All right. Two two highlights there. Yeah. And I guess that's all for tonight, guys. Um, we'll uh, go ahead and bow out gracefully to the. Dulcet tones of hammerhead. Ah. See you guys later. Adios, partners. Adios.